Welcome to Soul Forum. We're delighted to have you here for this series we're calling Soul Body. Each conversation in this second season takes us deeper into the experience of our own bodies, the collective body, the earth body, and even the cosmic body, as we explore the way soul finds expression in our time. We hope what you discover along the way helps you journey a little deeper into your own soul body. Thanks for taking the time to jump into the second episode of this introduction into this new series called Soul Body. It is an effort to try to help each of us um, more fully uh, embrace the way in which body manifests in our sense of soul. And so today I thought I would do a couple of things. One is to simply kind of explore uh, one thinker in particular, a philosophical thinker, a theologian from England, Don Cupid, who helps us, kind of gives us permission maybe, to be comfortable with a, a kind of an evolving spirituality or an evolving sense of soul that is not constructed through kind of the typical language that we inherit from religious systems, but actually is constructed in the ongoing conversation we're having with each other in real time, in this space, in this place, wherever you are, and inside of the communities that uh, are the matrix in which you find meaning. That deep and rich conversation is, for Don Cupid, kind of religious frontier. So one is just to use some of his insights to kind of give us permission to say, let's use this series as we think about the various conversations we have over the next few weeks, uh, just as a kind of a playground for exploring the way in which our sense of soul is bound to our body, right? How do body and soul uh, play together? How can we give our, our experience of our own body and the intuition inside of our body and the uh, experiences of our physicality, space or voice maybe, inside what we typically think of as sort of an inward-focused, sometimes navel-gazing <laughs> experience of exploring our sense of spirit or soul. And like I mentioned last week, uh, taking off the table for a bit this idea that soul or spirit is something we inherit from the outside in this other realm that somehow finds its way inside of us, but rather that it is, um, or it can be imagined, that it is literally just birthed out of everybody's journey. Birthed out of everybody's journey. One of the things I wanted to um, explore in addition to Don Cupid this morning with you is to try to invite you to think about as you start this kind of collaborative journey in this series of thinking how body and soul, soul and body dance together. Think about for a bit, you know, your historic 
relationship with your own body. Right? Try to maybe spend some time this week remembering how it is that you came to the relationship you currently have with your body. And are, and are you in touch with the very uh, flesh and blood that is, your, that is you, right? The manifestation that is you in your own body. How do you, how do you relate to that? And I'll admit that for me, and I'm almost embarrassed to share this at some level because I, I, it came to me this week as I've been thinking about my own um, sense of how body has been present for me in my spiritual practices and my um, soul's journey that I tend, and I don't know about you, but I tend to have a negative relationship uh, to my body. <laughs> and part of that's driven by, I think, sort of cultural norms and expectations of what my body should be and how it should function in the world, um, unrealistic expectations as well about how my body is going to be able to perform and behave for me throughout my long 63 years. Um, and so I oftentimes find myself and my expectations of my own body to be... Um, uh, to put me in a position where I will um, have a negative relationship with it. Uh, let me give you a, a perfect example. I played a lot of tennis for many years. I hope to return to it someday. But, um, and when I can imagine uh, executing a particular stroke with my body, and then it doesn't seem to cooperate, or I can't get what I imagine going on in my head to manifest physically, you know, I get super frustrated with myself and my poor partner across the net uh, for many years, Bob, uh, you know, would just hear me over there just getting angrier and angrier with my own body, right? So that's a perfect example, and I could replicate that example over and over again. Uh, and so what is that relationship to body, and is there a way to reimagine for me in particular, and also for you as you think through this series, kind of what what is the conversation I'm having with my my own self, right? And how can I how can I foster more of a loving communication or a a tender communication with this gift that is me, right? <laughs> And sometimes we just ignore that because we're just operating out of our brain so much or out of our head so much that we forget about this beautiful, um, unfolding, evolving manifestation of life itself that is holding and and um, and bringing like a tactile experience to this sense of life that we have. So that's the other piece I want to do is just kind of invite us to think about what is your relationship to body? And then could you improve on that or adjust that in the weeks going forward? And then finally, I'm just going to close with a poetic piece. I think it's Walt Whitman um, that just sort of celebrates the, um, the electricity of body, the very vibrancy of how body manifests in world. And hopefully that little series of explorations this morning kind of helps you warm up to the conversations that we're going to have in the weeks ahead. So let me start with Don Cupid. 
For those of you who are unfamiliar with Don Cupid, I, I met him first uh, in Santa Rosa uh, when I used to attend the Westar Institute there every year. And Don Cupid uh, is a theologian and philosopher from England. And what he began to kind of stumble into as he thought about the role of religion in our time is that religion more and more is manifesting itself in the everyday, in the mundane. And for Don Cupid, he saw that that manifestation of religious, um, both language, um, idioms that sort of manifested a spiritual edge to them, but were just like everyday language, that ultimately that was the full emerging expression of what started way back in the Protestant Revo- Protestant Reformation when um, Martin Luther and uh, Catherine, one was a priest and one was a nun, they were both committed to the orders of the church, right? So their entire spiritual lives were committed to the uh, orders within the Catholic Church, and they decide, uh, as part of the Protestant Reformation, they decide to get married, right? and leave those orders behind and start a family together and a household together and to find the way that, in a sense, their religious heritage worked inside of the everyday. Even the development of the small catechism, for those of you who are familiar with the Lutheran um, tradition, was a, um, a way to think about faith that could be managed at home, you know, in the everyday conversations with your kids. And so they really started, if you will, a movement that then um, burst further into life through the Enlightenment and the scientific revolution. And we begin to see that, there, uh, that everything has this kind of sacred quality to it because this is all there is, right? So that whole movement uh, manifested in a way to um, craft or create the possibility that religion is no longer reserved for these old institutions that manifested a dogmatic perspective, um, a, a linguistic perspective that sort of gets um, imposed on the community as normative for how we are religious, right? All that religious language that maybe you grew up with. We can move beyond all that. Here's what... Here's what Don Cupid says uh, about the religion of the future. A beautiful way to frame this, I think. And this is in his book, The Way to Happiness by Don Cupid. He writes, the religion of the future then will be a pilgrim religion that we ourselves are consciously making and remaking all the time. We will be like artists permanent pilgrims with no fixed abode, improvising our own spiritualities and our own life stories as we go along. Indeed, this is how most of us are already. There will be no specifically privileged right vocabulary for this journey. There will be no divinely approved right or wrong or order of expression in this. There is but this ongoing journey that we share together. That's what Don Cupid is hinting at. And I'm 
I use him because I think he's a good um, permission giver for me and for you to say, why don't you take this time to just play around with the language that emerges for you as you think about your spirit's journey connected to your body? Because frankly, I think for many of us, this is new territory. And we hope over the next few weeks um, and the episodes ahead to get a little bit of a sense of what might be some language or some um, some like touch points that we can learn from others about how to construct that relationship more fully. But for many of us, I do think this is going to be uh, some new ground and, and certainly for me as well. So how can we um, allow ourselves that playful spirit as we move forward? I think Don Cupid uh, certainly is somebody who helps us kind of um, understand that and commit to that, that there is, um, maybe Don would say, all that is sacred is, is revealing itself in every secular moment in time, right? So tend to those moments and find within them that which brings uh, joy and love and connection and uh, capacity a sense of family and belonging, that is the spiritual landscape on which you and I journey uh, these days. So how can you do that as you think about uh, your own body? The second thing I want to kind of explore is this idea of um, how you imagine your relationship to body. And as I mentioned, I can have kind of a negative approach to that. And I, I think one of the things that, well, there's two things that I wanted to just maybe explore with you and see if that it might be helpful. The first one is, if I think about the way in which my body has been a part of my life since it started in the womb long ago, right? Um, I wasn't even responsible for putting my body together, right? It came together out of the love between my mom and my dad, so that there is some aspect of beauty to that. But before I get to that, if I think about the long course of history of my body, it, you think about the way in which it has accumulated its own wisdom along the way. Right? From the first moment as a newborn, your eyes open up and you begin to see for the first time and absorb kind of the experience of world. You begin to hear for the first time the voices and the sounds and the music and the wind and the breeze. You know, your body, like a sponge, begins to absorb uh, life itself and accumulates along the way uh, this just vast amount of uh, accessible wisdom inside of itself. And then as you begin to grow, the experiences that come along your way, right, that just sometimes are absolute uh, euphoria. You know, they're the, I remember the first time I climbed to the top of a redwood tree and sat there for 30 minutes as the wind blew me back and forth in the redwoods. And I just had this, you know, ecstatic experience in nature that sinks into your body, right? That's, it resides there. But so does the, 
you know, the first pet that I lost when, when we lost um, some of our cats or our dogs, right, in the agony of loss, the trauma of um, pain and suffering, right, that's inside there. Uh, you then amplify that as you grow into your teenage years and you think about falling in love for the first time or um, experiencing rejection, um, the the hopes and longings that percolate inside of your body, a fear, wonder, excitement. There's, there's just a world, a world that manifests inside of this thing throughout your life, right? And, and then as you get older, right, the navigating of, of things starting to break apart or fall apart or um, pain that ends up having to be something you navigate for a lifetime or some dis-ease that becomes a part of your body's experience that you get to explore the, the, the manifestation of bliss and agony happening inside of you. And, and so I, I, why do I describe all that? Because I think it's a wonderful way, and I've been trying to do this a little bit more with myself, it's a wonderful way to think about that this, this holds, retains, uh, envelopes the life experiences that create a kind of a inner wisdom and wonder that is present for me all the time, right? Walking around, being here with you, right? It's here. I, I just have to learn how to be in touch with it and to honor it and to respect it and to be grateful for all that is body for me. So that'd be the first thing that I would invite you into is to think about, um, you know, what's in your body. <laughs> sort of that, you know, what's in your wallet. Uh, I think that's a wonderful thing to start to reflect on as we move through this series. And I'm going to do some of that work myself. Maybe do some journaling about it or something like that. Let me know how that goes. So that's number one, is to um, tend to the sort of manifestation of wisdom that just literally is inside of you. And then how do you get in touch with that? How does that become a partner in your sense of who you are as a soul-filled person or a spiritual person. The next layer that I have been thinking about this week is um, kind of the one that it hit me when I was watching uh, a movie this last week. It was, um, the, the movie was called Life Aquatic. And it was a kind of a parody on Jacques Cousteau. And it was, you know, a humorous, humorous parody but the character, the main character, um, Phil Murray, it was playing Jacques Cousteau and was, you know, struggling with his identity throughout the film because his career seemed to be falling apart, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go into the details of it. But towards the end of the movie, it felt like he was beginning to find a deeper sense of who he was that was apart from all the ways he had... Um, kind of tried to manifest himself that worked out um, in failure. And towards the end of the movie, he begins to acknowledge that his, his best self 
was tethered to his like 11-year-old self, right? His child self. Maybe it was the first time he began to wonder about the natural world or whatever it was, but there was something about his um, sense of his childlike nature that he wanted to embrace. And at the end of the movie, he picks up a child and he puts that child on his shoulders. And now the old Jacques Cousteau is walking the streets into his future with his child self on his shoulders. And it was just this powerful moment for me when I thought, you know, how, how many of us have forgotten, you know, that we're not, we're not, our bodies are not just the bodies as they appear now, right? They, they have this, um, you're still your child self, right? You're still the um, wonder of a newborn baby is still in here, right? These hands that I work so hard with, you know, they these are still the hands that I got when I came out of the womb, right? These are the hands that were formed in the womb. They have this long trajectory to them, and they will dissolve back into Mother Earth at some point in time, right? So I, 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 I guess what I'm encouraging you to think about is to not, like, silo your body's experience in this one moment in time, but I found this week to try to embrace the breadth of my body experience and know that it's, you know, it's been in me all this time. This, this child has been with me, my own childhood, that infant born is right here, and that old man dying, taking his last breath is right here as well, right? And to see my body as part of this larger story of the particular articulation of life that I am kind of helps me be more imaginative and creative about my relationship with my body. And maybe you'll find that helpful too. All right, so those are the what three things I wanted to cover so far. I'm going to finish up with a little poetry by Walt Whitman. So the one is permission giving. Let's give ourselves permission to play around a little bit with this thing. Uh, you know, don't fret about it. Nothing, nothing bad's going to happen. Just enjoy the material as we go forward and, and live into the vision of Don Cupid that, you know, we all are finding language and ways to construct our spiritual journey in real time. And that's what religion really is all about for our time. That's number one. Number two, in those two points I made and maybe things that you think about, find ways to uh, use this time throughout this conversation we're having to kind of um, reimagine your relationship to body, whatever that takes. Right, whether it be um, the kind of the magical way body has absorbed so much wisdom along the way, and you want to honor that and tend to that, or sort of this um, trajectory of manifestations of your body throughout your life that are still there, and new stuff that's coming your way, and just kind of framing body not as um, just this, you know, what what's happening right now, but how it's uh, spread out throughout your, you know, the, the, the solar expression that is the explosion of your life for this moment in time, right? This body is that expression. So you can play around with that one as well. Lastly, um, let's, 
move into that poetic realm that's always so beautiful. And this is a um, portion of a poem by Walt Whitman. And um, I like this piece. It's super long, so I don't know if you want to um, read the whole thing, but you can go online and read the whole thing if you like. See if I can find the name of this thing. I'll have to post it because I don't have the name of it. <clears throat> I think it was called Body Electric or something like that. So it, it has this um, beautiful capacity to dial down into like all the edges of how body manifests. But this particular segment of the poem, I think, um, kind of reminds us of the the beauty that can be found in the way in which body shows up in the world and your body as well. And the last two phrases of this little poetic piece I'm going to use are the last two lines of the entire poem. And those last two lines are this. Oh, I say these are not the parts and poems of the body only, but of the soul. Oh, I say now that these are the soul. The sprawl and fullness of babes, the bosoms and heads of women, the folds of their dress, their style as we pass in the street, the contour of their shape downwards, the swimmer naked in the swimming bath, seen as they swim through the transparent green shine, or lies with face up and rolls silently to and from the heave of the water, the bending forward and backward of rowers in rowboats, the horseman on his saddle, girls, mothers, housekeepers in all their performances, the group of laborers seated at noontime with their open dinner kettles and their wives waiting, the female soothing a child, the farmer's daughter in the garden or cow yard, the young fellow hoeing corn, the sleigh driver during his six horses, driving his six horses through the crowd, the wrestle of wrestlers, two apprentice, apprentice boys, quite grown, lusty, good-natured, native-born, out on the vacant lot at sundown after work, the coats and caps thrown down, the embrace of love and resistance, the upper hold and underhold, the hair rumpled over, the blinding of the eyes, the march of the firemen in their own costumes, the play of masculine muscle through the clean setting trousers and waist straps, the slow return from the fire, the pause when the bell strikes suddenly again, and the listening on the alert, the natural, perfect, varied attitudes, the bent head, the curved neck, and the counting. Such like I love. I loosen myself, pass freely, and met my mother's breast with the little child. Swim with the swimmers. Wrestle with the wrestlers. March in line with the firemen. Pause, listen, count. Oh, I say these are not the parts 
and the poems of the body only, but of the soul. Oh, I say now, these are the soul. Isn't that a beautiful piece? My invitation to you as we close up this time together is simply um, like the Walt Whitman poem. Like, how do you tend to and absorb, you know, kind of the wonder of body? And as you sink into that wonder, maybe you too will awaken to the way in which it is not only the poetry of soul, but maybe it's soul itself, right? It is this manifestation of all the wonder that historically we've wrapped up into religious traditions, but is present for you in your very flesh and blood and see where that journey takes you. Thanks for taking the time to jump into the second episode of this introduction into this new series called Soul Body. It is an effort to try to help each of us um, more fully uh, embrace the way in which body manifests in our sense of soul. Next week, we start with our episodes that are grounded in conversations with people who have all sorts of experience with integrating body and spirit or body and soul. Next week, I sit down with Jen, who has spent her career uh, training athletes and professional athletes as they work their bodies to seek full expression in their chosen sport. And, and along the way, she discovers the kind of body's capacity to draw all of us into a deeper sense of soul space. I hope you'll join us. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelled as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.